Did you know that Radio Vermont Group Digital Services can create videos including drone footage? We've even won awards for our videos. If you'd like to learn more and see examples of our work, go to rvgdigital.com. Radio Vermont Group, we're more than just radio. We're back and we're going to go right to our Washington correspondent, Bob Nay, because there's a lot to talk about. Welcome to the show, Mr. Nay. Hey, thank you, Kevin. Okay. Uh, I want to start with the Biden speech on what surprised me, linking Ukraine aid with Israel, Israeli aid, and then get to the speaker uh, situation. So what did you think okay. of the president's speech? I thought that, you know, he stirred uh, feelings about, you know, we're going to fight authoritarian uh, causes uh, where people come in, as Putin has, and is trying to, you know, take away democracy. I mean, that's what I mean by the authoritarian part. And then uh, he mentions terrorism. So appealing to the nature of America and our willingness, you know, to to do something. Um, He did say in there, and, and I took interest in this when the president said, you know, it's far away and we might ask ourselves, basically, I'm paraphrasing here, might ask ourselves, you know, why we're getting involved in a sense is what he was saying. I thought he would go maybe a little bit more into how it ties to us beyond what we should do is the right thing to fight, you know, terrorism and uh, authoritarian uh, regimes. So I thought there'd be a little bit more of that. Now, of course, he would be criticized for mentioning the economic situation in America if he did that. But I kind of looked for that. Otherwise, I I don't think it was a stirring speech because the president really doesn't tend to do that. The substance was OK. Um, just wasn't, you know, stirring. Right. OK. So, Bob, were you surprised that he linked the the Israeli aid to aid to Ukraine does that not set up a, a a fractious debate in the Congress as Republican support for Ukraine aid begins to wane? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Kevin, one of the reasons I mentioned about um, going beyond the right thing to do, which in itself is in some people's minds is enough. I thought. If he's just going to ask, you know, if he's going to ask for money and if he's going to ask for Ukraine and Israel at the same time, then just ask for the money. I'm not sure it would go to the level where you do a primetime address unless you're going to add, you know, some more detail to it. So that's why I was a little surprised, yes, that he did that. Now, I'm also going to tell you, by the time this piece of legislation this request, by the time it's through, you're going to have Taiwan in there. You're going to have border money because the White House is in trouble on what's going on at the border. No question about that. You're going to have that money in there. This thing is going to grow. Probably, I'm going to guess, you know, that uh, uh, maybe 25% of the bill or 30% will be Ukraine and Israel. And I will bet that the rest of it, from what I've been reading, will be homeland security, uh, immigration. Uh, he's going to try probably in the bill to give money to cities that can't cope, like New York, et cetera, uh, you know, with the amount of uh, people coming across the border. So that's the initial plan. I know they're going to – I'm calling it a Christmas tree of sort is what I've called it. Uh, but that's the initial plan. Now, if it gets resistance, they're obviously going to start to cut parts of this 
out. I think the president is trying to get what he can get while he can uh, with the you know Israel situation to combine the Ukraine money. Some people, though, are going to say you should have kept it to Israel, period. That's the new crisis. And you're going to hear that today. Wow, that's a lot of money in a lot of places. And uh, I was talking to my sister on the phone the other day, and she said, how can we do all this? How can we afford all this? What's the answer to that, Bob? Well, that's the other part I'll mention. Now, uh, some of these, we can call them hypotheticals, but they've been statements that have been made. Uh, Congressman McCall of Texas is making a drafting a resolution that would allow full faith uh, and authority, I call it, because I voted for one of these once in my life as a major mistake for Iraq, full faith and authority to utilize the office of the president to do something about regional crisis involving Israel. He's drafting that. It's it's basically a, a pre-war document is what it is, but he's drafting it. I think it's premature. Lindsey Graham on TV has said, hey, Iran, you know, we, we, we will bomb you if we have to. So <laughs> I'm sitting here watching this and I'm thinking to myself, and, you know, I, I think your sister's words are very appropriate because my own sister, ironically, yesterday said about the same thing. And we were talking about this, Kevin, because when you sit here and you think about this, these threats, the regional, we're going to get into this, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And you start to think, where are we going to head up domestically? It's one thing to help Israel, of course, through this. But the other thing when you start to look at it is how far can we go? You know, how how far can we go? Because the economy is a problem and uh, that's going to be a problem for the White House. Okay, now let's move to Congress. Representative Jim Jordan, who uh, his own, let's see, his own speaker, John Boehner, once called him a legislative terrorist. Uh, mm-hmm. He he was part of the plan. He was in touch with uh, former President Trump the day of the January, the uh the 1-6 insurrection. Uh, he is a troublemaker galore and the chair of the House Judiciary Committee. He wants to be Speaker of the House and he can't get there. And Bob, I said at the top of the show, it it almost seems like the old establishment Republicans, committee chairs and others, are having their uh, retribution against the far right in the Republican Party. But fill us in. Well, I think that's partial it. I think there's some validity to that, Kevin. On top of it, um, I was going to say as we transition into this subject, it might be more solvable, the Mideast situation, than the, the, the Republicans in the House. Right. It may not be solvable. And what they've done, and you know, I've heard from a couple of members you know, here and there in the last few days, and what's happening is for some of the members – it's retribution. They're angry that this was done. They're angry that Gates caused this. And then for some other members, they simply don't want Jordan, and they feel if he gets in there, he's going to probably there'll be a move to throw him out at some point in time. Uh, he doesn't have a history of legislating. There's another issue, too. I mean, we can feel philosophy. We can feel that we have candidates to stand on their issues. And I understand that. But a fact of life in American politics is money. It is a fact of life. And the party that doesn't uh, acquire the money is going to be behind. And Jordan probably will not be somebody like McCarthy, frankly, that can raise money. And that's some concern, too. I think 
he is going to uh, go further down today at 10 o'clock. They're starting as we as we speak. He's going to go further down. I don't see light of day. I looked at the history today of McCarthy's, you know, 15 ballots. And, yeah, one time he went down, then McCarthy all of a sudden went to from 200 to 213. I don't think that's going to happen with Jordan. I believe it's going to get worse. And also, I read between the lines of Congressman Diaz-Balart a few days ago when he said, I don't bully, you know, it's not, don't bully me. And I kind of knew some of the Jordan staff and people around him were trying those tactics that doesn't work either, especially in Jim Jordan's case, because he's kind of famous for it. And so I, I see no path. I could be completely wrong, but I absolutely see no path for Jim Jordan to be the speaker. And the longer this goes on, they are risking the entire majority. Uh, they're risking giving it to the Democrats in 2024. No doubt about it. If they can't pick a speaker, they can't govern. And that's a problem for them. The Republicans uh, predictions are dangerous, but where does this go if Jordan doesn't become speaker? Uh, do they I mean, there's this, you know, member the speaker of the House does not have to be an elected representative. So some people are talking about bringing back Liz Cheney. Uh, somebody it even so, happen, talked about no. John Boehner. Somebody talked about a, no. de- a deal of the century in which moderate Republicans team with Democrats to elect their leader, Hakeem Jeffries, as speaker in a kind of power sharing agreement where, I mean, I can see that we, we would, we do that in Vermont all the time where the speaker's a Democrat, uh-huh. but he or she gives, uh, two committees to the, the other party. Where are we going here? Well, time and doing this multiple times is against them. I was there when uh, the to-be Speaker Livingston ran into a sex scandal. He stood before us and said, I'm not going to be running for Speaker. The room went into a panic. Somebody circulated a letter. Literally, I was sitting there. And Dave Hobson did it from Ohio. He circulated a letter, handwritten, said, I want Denny Hastert. And we elected Denny Hastert that way. That's not going to happen this time. We went upstairs. We did it. Boom. You know, no problems. This isn't going to happen. This one is so contentious now, and they're arguing so bad. I can't even predict. I would say, if you if you ask me to say what would be a way out of this, take the current speaker, McHenry, the temporary speaker, and make him permanent until the next election, where he agrees to not run for speaker again. Now, McHenry won't be a temporary speaker where they give him certain powers. He's already said that. But they could elect him speaker as a compromise, and then he agrees that he won't run for speaker in 2024 if they win the House. That's one way out of this. Otherwise, they may have to bring somebody in from the outside because you don't have to, as you know, be a member of the House to be speaker. But I just I don't see the magical candidate in this system. I don't see it. Okay. Well, there we are. Uh, you heard it here first. If McHenry becomes a temporary speaker, you heard it right here on Vermont Viewpoint from Bob Nay. Bob, have a good week. Thanks very much. Okay. Thank you, Kevin. He's really good. We're back. Uh, a lo- 15 years ago, seven days, for my money, the best, no longer alternative newspaper and website in the country, uh, launched a, a conference, which is kind of a, a tech get-together plus job fair. 
uh, and it was shortly after the introduction of the iPhone. And 15 years in, they're at it again, and this Saturday, uh, Tech Jam is taking place at the coolest place in Vermont, I think. It's called Hula, and uh, the deputy publisher of Seven Days, Kathy Resmer, is with us to talk about it right now. Hey, Kathy, thanks for coming on. Hi, Kevin. Thanks for having me. So, what are we in for tomorrow? Oh, we are in for um, the same thing in some ways that we've been doing for the last 15 years. We've got 50 different companies and organizations exhibiting uh, at the Tech Jam. Many of them, most of them will be hiring. So folks will be coming and looking for jobs. Employers are looking to make connections with uh, college students and tech professionals and career changers. We'll have... Colleges and tech training programs will be there. Also, training programs for K-12 students. So, FIRST Robotics and the Governor's Institutes and Hack Clubs. So, we've got a wide variety of different folks you can talk to from 10 until 3. You come and you talk to all these really interesting companies who are doing fascinating work all over Vermont. And then we have a keynote presentation and reception from 3 to 5 featuring a couple researchers up at UVM who are, they're working on an element of the cultured meat or lab-grown meat supply chain. So it'll be about cultured meat and lab-grown meat and how that work is happening, how, how it works, and what the opportunities are for Vermont in that space. Um- you, there's, I've noticed, having been to Hula a bunch, um, there's really in the last, I would say, 10 years with the construction of Hula, which is the old Blodgett oven factory down on the water yeah. in Lake Champlain, uh, there's a tech ecosystem that's grown up. There's the Vermont Center for Emerging Technologies. Hula has its own fund, Fresh Tracks Capital. There's more capital. There's more money available for startups, and there's a heck of a lot more startups, and it's not just the famous beta technologies. There's a lot going on out there. Yeah, there is. It's And, and you know, a lot of these folks sort of fly under the radar because um, they're not necessarily looking to make a big splash until they have something to show, but they're doing really interesting work. And we at Tech Jam is our opportunity to kind of get these folks out from behind the screen or out from their lab and talking to Vermonters. Because you know a lot of these, a lot of the companies that we're uh, we're working with here, they don't necessarily they're not selling products to consumers in right. Vermont, so they're not going to be people that you see with a shop on Church Street or something. Um, they are doing things for clients all over the world in a wide variety of industries. So this is really the chance that we have to see a bunch of them all under the same roof and talk to them. It's, I mean, every I've, like I said, I've been um, helping to organize this since the beginning, and it is so it is fascinating to watch this sector grow and change, and companies get really big, like Dealer.com, and then you know they're not they're actually not not even going to be at the Tech Jam this year, but we've got a bunch of new companies that are coming up behind them who are doing really exciting stuff, especially around. Um, Electricity. I know it's not just beta, which is, you know, pioneering these electric aircraft. There are a lot of Vermont companies that are working in this battery and clean energy space. They're really very interesting, like um, Core Power out in Waterbury. They are growing 
quickly. Um, they're going to be there tomorrow. And um, this really cool company called Resonant Link, they do wireless charging solutions. So I know that doesn't sound super exciting, but like they have created technology that charges wirelessly, like your phone, like your phone. Uh, like my, I, every night I put my phone on a little pad and it charges. I don't plug it into anything. Right. And these folks are doing that on a tiny scale. So things that you would wear, like implants in your body, that you might wear a vest over it to charge it. Um, they're also doing stuff that doing, making things for the insides of your phone. But they also, they're really cool thing. I think that, um, that I don't think they're going to have it there this year, but I have seen this demonstrated at their headquarters. They've got wireless charging for forklifts, which yeah. I know that might not seem super exciting, but when you think about how so much commerce of, you know, e-commerce really depends on these big warehouses and all different kinds of manufacturing depends on these big warehouses. You've got all of these forklifts driving around and they, they're able to, you know, you have to maneuver these things. Uh, you don't want to have to maneuver them super precisely to charge them. Like when they're charging, they're not in use. So um, Resonant Link has this technology that allows them to be parked wirelessly and charge quickly and back out there, which is, you know, a, a really exciting industrial um, use for that kind of technology. Anyway, I, I could talk about this for a long time. Well, so. <laughs> Kathy, I, I was... I was long ago. I was part of an energy startup. It was a spinoff of Green Mountain Power, and I remember when the day came when, you know, the the big dog investor types sort of flew in to Burlington, uh, badly dressed for winter weather, and announced that the company was moving to Austin, Texas. And oh, yeah. it, if you if you dig into that, it was because uh, that we needed to be close. They needed to be closer to. Uh, uh, tech people to hire. They needed to be in a more metropolitan area that people wanted to move to. They needed to be close to a bigger airport. Uh, and, and they just had a bias against this little place, uh, way up in New England. It seems to me, uh, as, as the years have gone by that that piece where the startup, when it gets its money and is successful and begins to hire hundreds of people, beta being a good example, no longer has to move to the south for cheap wages, better airports, and more convenience. The employees want to work here, and they want to stay here. And so the company doesn't have to leave. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think there are lots of technological advances that make remote work easier right. and possible. Right. Yep. But I also think that I mean, what I've heard from, other, from tech companies um, now is, you know, the challenge of finding employees is still a thing, um, but really, like, housing. Yeah. Housing is a huge issue, and being able to bring people in where they'll be able to get a house for a reasonable amount of money quickly, um, that is that is still very much an issue, I think, yeah. for a lot of these companies, in, in bringing people in from other places. Yeah. Um, uh, and... The other the other impression I have is that it, I don't want to go too far here and say this is the new Vermont, but you look at the faces on your uh, uh, promo page in the paper this week. 
you know, it's a lot of non-white faces there. Uh, there's a lot of diversity in these up-and-coming companies. This is not your grandfather's uh, dairy farm, Vermont. This is a tech-oriented, fast-moving, online, digital uh, generation that, uh, you know, it's just new and different, and it's exciting. Yeah, well, <laughs> I guess I would also just point out that um, when you – see a lot of those different faces they're also younger faces yeah and yeah. The, the younger generation of americans is less white yeah and just predominant like and that's just a fact um and you know i think things while while i do think um there are a lot of exciting new companies and technologies and um a lot of new energy I also think that there's very much a Vermont feel to a lot of these companies. Yeah, it's true. And they, they want to be here because people want to live here because you have access to so much. I mean, it's so beautiful here, you know, and you can go out and in you know, just a few minutes can be out in the country and be out like on a hiking trail or, you know, on a ski slope. It's, those are really great things. And it's things here in Vermont, they're on a human scale. Yeah. So, you know, you get to know people pretty quickly. There's a real sense of community here. <laughs> well, and, here's a know. good example. Uh, one of the one of the early uh, stage investors is Tom Mesner, who the former weatherman at uh, Channel <laughs> Five. He rents a desk at uh, as as Paula says in her uh, column this week. He rents a desk at Hula, as I have done in the past, and. You know, uh, Karen Cross at, at Fresh Tracks. I mean, these are people that you can find. You can call them up on the phone and you can get a meeting if you're a, if you're a startup or a fellow investor or whatever. And all that's going to happen turbocharged, uh, at, uh, at Tech Jam tomorrow, 10 to 3. It's free, right, Kathy? Yes, absolutely. It's free. And you can find a list of exhibitors and you can register at techjamvt.com. And come see the keynote presentation. It's going to be really, really interesting. It's starting after the job fair around 3. Okay, yeah, 3 o'clock. Will Vermonters go for lab-grown meat? Uh, <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's a challenge. And uh, that's great that you're taking that on. That's fantastic. Uh, okay, <laughs> Who, uh, at Hula tomorrow, Tech Jam. Kathy Resmer will be there with our colleagues at uh, Seven Days. You can find all the details at sevendaysvt.com. Kathy, as always, from Seven Days, thanks for coming. Thank you, Kevin. Really appreciate it. Okay. Kathy Resmer, Deputy Publisher, Seven Days Tech Jam tomorrow, uh, 9 to 3, uh, 9 to 3, keynote at 3 o'clock. And if you want to call in and talk to me about this issue after the break, 2441777. We'll be back with open phones right after this. I'm Kevin Ellis. It's Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV. We're back. And we're going to the phones. Uh, our phones are open. Two four four one seven seven seven. Couple of one housekeeping. I, I just had an idea hatched with through the glass through the looking glass with Danny McGivergan, who's at the soundboard. We need to have Brady Farkas on this show and talk sports. We need to do a sports show. You know, we spend a lot of time on politics and 
public affairs. You know, let's talk UVM sports. Oh, I've got an idea. Let's get Jeff Schulman, uh, the athletic director of UVM, on this show and put him on the hot seat. It's none of this, none of these softball questions that he gets from Brady Farkas. Let's, let's get some serious political questioning of the athletic director of UVM. Uh, conflict of interest disclosure. I, I've actually gotten to be friendly with uh, Schulman because we played tennis at the same place. So, uh, so I met him this summer and, uh, it would be fun to have him on. Maybe, maybe Brady and I could be, uh, on with Schulman and do a complete preview of UVM winter sports, which is already going on, but why not, uh, why not do that? That's a great idea. Uh, we take your suggestions on that score. Uh, any shows that you want to have, uh, uh, me address in the future, you, uh, let me know. VT viewpoint at, uh, radiovermont.com or, uh, 244-1777. We love your ideas. Uh, with that, lots more to talk about, but let's take a call from Mary in Randolph Center. Mary, welcome to the show. Well, good morning. Thank you. Oh, I've got to turn my radio down. Um, so a couple things. Um, I, I really enjoy Bob Nay, too. Um, he had some great points this morning. One of them really struck me. I was at dinner with friends last night, and we were talking, um, you know, the, the terrible things that are happening around the world, especially over in Israel and uh, the Middle East. And Bob Ney said uh, that the, I did not see the president's um, speech last night, but he did kind of uh, dance around the fact that uh, there are things happening here at home. And I brought that up at dinner last night, and I on this radio station, I heard an ad yesterday. I don't know what group it is, but it's an organization, and they're raising, they're asking for funds for wheelchairs for our veterans. And it just struck me, and last night in our dinner conversation, I said, <laughs> we're sending billions of dollars um, everywhere in the world, and we're raising funds for wheelchairs for our veterans. And I know we have to do things to protect our country and, you know, all of those things, our future, but it just it didn't make sense to me, and I can't, I can't make sense of it. Uh, you also said your sister asked you, how do we pay for this? And these are all things that are going around in my mind. And I'm just, you know, praying for our country and our world. Well, Mary, stay on the line. Let's talk about this. Um, You know, I'm so glad you brought it up because I have these same thoughts. And I, I think what makes this a really powerful conversation is that I don't think it breaks down sort of Democrats versus Republicans on this issue. I think people of goodwill of all kinds are saying to themselves, you know, if you're a machinist who's been laid off in Ohio or or a farmer in Vermont or wherever, it's hard to make the intellectual link between billions and Billions. We spend four billion dollars on weapons and aid to Israel every year, uh, and God knows how much we've spent in Ukraine. And you're asking a question, I think, that we're all asking, regardless of our politics, which is, uh, at some point, uh, we've got to take care of our people at home. And uh, you know, Biden made a Biden made a plea last night to to 
get us beyond our own noses. But boy, raising money for, you know, garage sales for, for wheelchairs for our veterans, that, that, that's powerful. Yeah. It just, it really just has hung in my heart. And I thought, how is that even possible? Uh, but of course, you know, the bigger picture, and like you said, it's, it's been brought to our, to our attention in a big way. And like you, I think I've, uh, you know, moderately looked and read some articles over the years, over the many years that this conflict has been uh, brewing. And, uh, you know, but now it's it's really got our attention. Yeah, it, it does. I, I must say, as I've said, I've ignored the Israeli-Gaza uh, issue all my life, actually, the Israeli-Palestinian issue. I, I mean, I, I listen to the radio uh, headlines and read some articles, but this is the first time I've really dug into it part of part of the reason is uh, my my uh relatively new daughter-in-law uh well 5 years now or 6 years uh is from Egypt and so suddenly the the dinner table conversation in our home uh, takes on a different tone mm-hmm. and uh, that you know it's forced us to really rethink our assumptions on on sort of all of this and uh it's uh, it's it's healthy. It's good. It's uh, forcing us to face these hard issues. But I, you know, you're right. You and I, we don't have any answer. But uh, I don't know. We've got you know, garage sales for wheelchairs for our vets is not a good thing. We, it goes back to you know, the wealthiest country on earth can't can't take care of its people. Uh, there's something wrong there, and we have to deal with it. Yes, absolutely. Thanks, yeah. Kevin. Okay. Mary from Randolph always goes right to the heart of the issue. <laughs> you know, there's a story that we should pay attention to. Uh, the Burlington City Council is expected to vote Monday on a 25-year lease extension for the Air National Guard at Burlington's airport. Um, so the lease, the lease for the Vermont Air National Guard is up and this sets up, according to VT Digger uh, and its reporter Patrick Crowley, a public showdown over the F-35 fighter jet that's based at what is now called the Patrick Leahy Burlington International Airport. So the proposal to extend the lease from 2048, uh, when it's currently set to expire, to 2073 – was initiated last week by, by Mayor Murrow Weinberger, who called the Air Guard an indispensable partner at a press event at the Guard base. So you might think that 2048 is a long way out, and it is. Uh, but I, I wonder, I'm trying to look between the lines at the politics here, uh, and I, I don't pretend to get it. But I, I don't know why Weinberger is pushing this and not leaving the issue to his his successor. Uh, I, I don't get that, but maybe somebody could call in 2441777 and enlighten me. Uh, the additional quota of 25 years would provide predictability and stability and would free up $51 million in military funding, according to General Gregory Knight, Adjutant General for the Vermont National Guard. Now, remember, the F-35 is a multi-billion dollar aircraft that can take off like a helicopter and has all sorts of uh, tools that make it the most modern 
uh, plane in the world. Uh, and, and the entire Burlington, uh, the entire Vermont political establishment supported the sighting of this airplane at the Burlington Air National Guard headquarters, including Bernie Sanders. Uh, Weinberger supported it. Pat Leahy supported it. Peter Welch supported it. Back then, uh, then Governor Peter Shumlin supported this. Uh, so, uh, now there is a whole contingent of residents, uh, who push back on this. And here is, uh, a gentleman named James Lays who says, why do they need another 25 years on top of the almost 25 years they have if they're only projecting further capital expenditures out for the next five years? Uh, there's a whole host of people who oppose the the sighting of the F-35 uh, jet here uh, around noise pollution. Uh, there's a there's a letter from uh, Dr. Peter Bingham, a pediatric neurologist at UVM Medical Center, uh, who calls noise pollution a quote neurotoxin and said that the F-35 flights over residential neighborhoods should be stopped. He wrote in his letter that noise pollution, quote, decreases children's reading ability, messes up their attention span, increases their tendency to depression and suicide. How much economic growth could balance such costs? Well, that's not the last of this. This is going to be taken up at the city council on Monday. Um, And it's a classic, classic argument, which we have not heard the last of. We're back. It's Vermont Viewpoint. I'm Kevin Ellis. Remember, I'll be back uh, Wednesday. And Wednesday, I think we're gonna. I'm gonna try to do uh, a segment with Richard Wabi, who I I just call him the governor's best friend. I don't know what else to call him. Um, he he's the force behind the annual Wheels for Warmth event, in which you let me get this straight. And I do this every year. You bring your spare tire, your your leftover tires. Uh, down to the uh, Du Bois construction uh, site in uh, in uh, Montpelier, and they will either get rid of them for you for a fee, they'll recycle them, or they'll take uh, used tires that are in decent condition and uh, then re- resell them or give them away to those needing new tires. Uh, or good used tires. So if you're like me, every time I go there, uh, I, I always sneak in there late at night, uh, just as they're about to close. And usually the governor's there in sort of the back of a pickup truck. Uh, you can't really recognize him. He's got a hat on and it's dark. But uh, so that's always fun. Uh, so wheels for warmth. Uh, I don't I don't know the date off the top of my head. I think it's next Saturday. Uh, there's lots of drop off opportunities, but we're going to have Richard Wabi on the show uh, next. I'll, I'll call him and get him on Wednesday to promote it. Um, and uh, also, let's see, also on Wednesday, uh, Seven Days is teasing uh, in, in the, uh, a coming story uh, on October 25th called The Loss of Grace, which is an investigation of the death of a young woman named Grace at the Woodside uh, Juvenile Detention Facility, and which is no longer there, but it was uh, for a long time a, a source of great 
tension and controversy about uh, the conditions there and the treatment of the of the of the kids who were there. And uh, Joe Sexton is gonna is the author of this piece. Uh, it's gonna be a no holds barred investigative story about the loss of this young uh, girl, uh, her death and the treatment of other juveniles uh, detained at that facility. That is coming on October 25th. We're going to have Joe Sexton on the show on Wednesday uh, to talk talk this through. Uh, there's a video online uh, that that's, uh, that's a trailer for the story, and I've never seen Seven Days quite do this, uh, do do this, and it's uh, it's an aggressive promotion of the upcoming of the upcoming story. Joe Sexton, you should know, uh, he's been on this show, and uh, he is uh, an author, a writer. Uh, he was an editor at the New York Times in the Metro section. He was uh, the sports editor of the New York Times. Uh, he moved up to Vermont during the pandemic. He is here, but that has not stopped him. He was a senior editor at ProPublica, uh, and he that that has not stopped moving to Vermont has certainly not stopped him from doing groundbreaking journalism. And he and I keep in touch. Uh, he uh, he'll he'll be on the show Wednesday. Uh, details uh, remain to be ironed out, but uh, he'll be on the show Wednesday to talk about. Uh, the upcoming piece. If if that doesn't work out, I promise we'll have him on a subsequent show. But uh, that's that's all coming up on Wednesday, Friday. Uh, I'm going to have. So far, I've confirmed Matt Duss, who is the a former foreign policy advisor to Senator Bernie Sanders. He is an expert on the Israeli-Palestinian uh, conflict, and he has agreed to come on the show. Uh, to kind of frame the latest events that are going on uh, between now and next Friday, the, you know who knows the world can change, but we can only hope that uh, that cooler heads prevail, that uh, that the that Egypt will open the border uh, at Rafah to allow food, medicine, and fuel into Gaza, uh, and we we hope that uh, restraint can be shown on all sides. As we try to figure this out, uh, but uh, we'll keep investigating it. So that's that's Wednesday and Friday. Don't forget to do uh, Tech Jam this weekend on Saturday, ten to three at Hula in Burlington, right on the shores of Lake Champlain. Here's a tip: uh, it's free. Uh, get there early. Uh, go to the cafe and get a get a get a light breakfast. A, bagel or something, and then go sit in the window. Uh, before everybody gets there, go sit in the window and just look out at Lake Champlain or sit outside on the terrace. Uh, the place is phenomenal. It It is, as I said, the former Blodgett Oven Factory, and it is the most beautiful view of Lake Champlain that we have. And I got to tell you, the, here's the best thing to do. Go to Burlington, park your car in the garage, uh, do a couple of things in Burlington. You can even eat your breakfast at Burlington. And then walk down the bike path, the Burlington bike path, to to Hula. It takes about 20 minutes. It's a lovely walk along the water. There's all sorts of historical markers along the way, bicyclists and other people. Uh, I guess the weather's not going to be that good, but it's still, it's still a great walk. Um, and uh, I urge you to... To check it out because it's it's uh, it's really really 
Fantastic. Uh, we'll, we'll keep following the, the saga of Sam Bankman Freed in a New York City courtroom about, uh, where all that money went from his crypto exchange called FDX, FTX and the money that was funneled into Democratic uh, congressional races and Senate races, uh, including that of Representative Rebecca Ballant. Uh, the, 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 the Ballant campaign, by the way, I didn't get to say this earlier. They're not really commenting on the details of, of this because saying that it's under investigation. So, um, we'll, we'll see where that goes. Uh, but the, the, the there's, there's obviously Sam Bankman Freed. Uh, y- you can find a new book by the great writer Michael Lewis about this. It's on bookstore shelves right now. Uh, and there's also a new podcast about the trial of Sam Bankman Freed. Seems a little odd, uh, to sort of focus on the trial of a rich young kid when uh, the world seems to be coming apart in so many other ways, but uh, it's it is fascinating uh, how Bankman Freed at the at while he was in college could amass so much wealth uh, so quickly and then concoct a scheme with his his uh, brother and buddies to. Uh, Infil, to infuse that uh, the, the, that money into into uh, political campaigns, I I remain unconvinced, however, that his efforts are were all nefarious and criminal. Uh, I think Bankman Freed is going to turn out to be the kind of guy who says, "Hey, I I I figured out a way to make a lot of money." Why don't I make as much money as I possibly can and then give it away? Uh, you know, it's not the way I'd do it, but uh, it's a way. And uh, I, I can think of crazier things. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, that is our show for today. My thanks to my our guest, Janet Franz, uh, Bob Nay, Kathy Resmer. Thanks to everybody for calling in. Uh, if you want to be a guest on the show or send us a suggestion for a topic, send me an email at vtviewpoint at radiovermont.com. Our goal is always to illuminate and inform and have some fun along the way. The show becomes a podcast at wdevradio.com, so you can listen there anytime. And if you don't have the radio on, you can stream us every show. I'm here, as a reminder, Wednesdays and Fridays. You can find me at kevinkellis.com, where you can subscribe to my weekly newsletter called Conflict of Interest. I'm on Twitter and Instagram if you want to follow me. My podcast, Conflict of Interest, examines the issues we deal with on this show. As always, we'll talk politics of Vermont and the world, the media and culture, and everything else on my mind and yours. Our show is produced by me. Engineered and made possible by Lee Cattell on the first half, Danny McGivergan on the second half, uh, Greg Titus on Wednesday, and oh, by the way, I saw Joel Nashman in the studio today, and you know what we're going to do? We're going to have him on to talk about this new podcast about Paul McCartney and his lyrics, uh, which I find just scintillating. More on that later. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Kevin Ellis, and we'll see you right back here on Wednesday. Vermont Viewpoint, live radio on the friendly pioneer, WDEV.